0: Welcome to First Steps to Al-Anon Recovery from Al-Anon Family Groups. Today we are pleased to have with us Dr. George Koob, Director of the National Institute on Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism, or the NIAAA. New in this position, renowned addiction neuroscientist Dr. Koob has served as the NIAAA Director for almost six months. He is here with us to talk about research on alcohol use disorders, including alcohol abuse and alcoholism, and their impact as it relates to the drinkers, family members, and friends. The NIAAA is one of the 27 institutes and centers that comprise the National Institutes of Health, which is a part of the United States Department of Health and Human Services. The NIAAA supports and conducts research on the impact of alcohol use on human health and well-being. It is the leading funder of alcohol research in the world. Dr. Coop, thank you for taking time with us today so soon after joining the NIAAA as director. Oh, you're welcome. Dr. Coop, from your experience in research on alcohol use disorders, how would you describe their impact on the friends and family members of drinkers?
1: Well, the one word answer is that the impact is devastating to a large extent. The multiple word answer is that the children, particularly adolescents, but even younger children, friends and family members, all can be affected by an individual with an alcohol use disorder. They often are experiencing negative emotions. They feel stressed, they feel alienated, they can become aggressive. These symptoms can lead to low self-esteem. Similar effects can occur with family and friends denial is a huge part of alcoholism. So the loss of trust and the sneaking around of the individual to obtain alcohol online about use, those all begin to add up and contribute to all of these effects. And then finally, of course, we know that the friends and family members of alcohol use disorder are at increased risk for experiencing intimate partner violence, interpersonal conflicts, You'll hear this in almost every case history of interpersonal conflicts between significant others, economic, legal, and obviously down the line health problems. It is a major impact on the world around the alcohol misuser. And unfortunately, that's part of the pathophysiology that we have to deal with. A good follow-up question is what should they do about it? Well, I mean, one option is to seek professional help. Obviously, if you can get the individual to recognize that they have a problem and they get them into some sort of treatment, that's wonderful. But in lieu of that, the other option is that you yourself get help, and that then can lead to a strengthening of yourself, but also of your ability to get help for intervention.
0: Right. Thank you. NIAA's recent poster and billboard campaign highlights that 7.5 million children in the U.S. live with a parent with an alcohol use disorder and asks the question, does your drinking affect someone you love? Of all the research conducted at NIAAA, why do you think it is important that this message be so widely communicated to the general public?
1: To translate it in another way, that means about one in 10 children in the United States lives with a parent with an alcohol misuse problem. And as a result... It's a two-way street. So this can get in the way of the parent being a good parent. But on the other side, it, of course, can isolate the child, which has devastating effects because they're really not getting the good parenting. And so it becomes one of those loops that just feeds on itself and gets worse over time. And then there's all the modeling. We know that a child with a parent who binge drinks is much more likely to binge drink than a child whose parents do not binge drink. We know that it can lead to dynamics in the family that contribute to the development of alcohol use disorders in the children themselves when they grow up. So many people with alcohol use disorders report that family problems, including arguments and trouble communicating with the family members, led them to drink heavily. So you have an effect on both ends that gets exacerbated as development proceeds. Adolescents may act like they don't need attention from the parents, but this is an unbelievably critical period in their development when they do need guidance, they do need model behavior, they do need structure in their lives. And a person with an alcohol use disorder is barely able to maintain themselves, much less take care of a child. So that's where it gets to be really a problem. And that's what we're focusing on with some of our research as to how to address those issues and get the word out so that children and adolescents of alcohol use disorder parents will seek help and will do as we talked before about trying to alleviate the deleterious effects of the situation.
0: Right. Break the cycle.
1: Break the cycle. Very good. Yes.
0: Well, thank you. As the disease of alcoholism is often referred to as a family disease due to its negative effects on family members and friends, what do you see as the possible directions for research which haven't yet been explored?
1: The research that we're intending to engage in, and we are already engaged in, are going to be research with a focus on delivering health services for alcohol use disorders. One of the biggest issues we have is getting people to treatment the data suggests that less than 10% of individuals with alcohol use disorders really get any treatment at all, all right? And so it really is important we're beginning to get our head around focusing on primary care physicians and then getting referral from primary care physicians in severe cases to specialty treatment programs. We are engaged in developing additional evidence-based prevention and treatment options for excessive drinking and alcohol use disorders. Across the lifespan. We're right now focusing on underage drinking and adolescent drinking, but I see a time when we may be able to move even further down the line to middle schools and other domains in the prevention arena. On the other hand, we're working with organizations like the American Society of Addiction Medicine. We'll be working with SAMHSA to effect brief interventions that appear to be quite effective in the primary care setting in limiting alcohol use disorders. So we've got a big program ongoing with this. I think it's important for the world to understand that an alcohol use disorder or alcoholism or addiction in general is a brain disorder. And that shouldn't scare people off because we know very well that treating a brain disorders with behavioral treatment is effective in changing the brain as much as sometimes or better than pharmaceutical treatments. This is clearly the case in depression, obsessive compulsive disorder. We suspect it's true with alcoholism. There is some evidence for that in some of the work that's been done on executive function in alcoholics that shows that your brain decision making circuits can, in a sense, recover. You don't grow back the pathway that got destroyed by the alcohol, but you can recruit other pathways to help you. Any one of the behavioral treatments from Alcoholics Anonymous to cognitive behavioral therapy can address some of these issues and hopefully strengthen the brain. So, you know, I think it's important for people to understand that making it a brain disease does not obviate responsibility, but it doesn't mean it's hopeless either. It means that, in fact, we know now that the brain has an enormous capacity for plasticity even in adulthood. And that basic understanding of brain function is helping all of us who work on psychopathology.
0: Very interesting. Thank you. What do you think is the single most important message the general public should know when it comes to understanding how to deal with an alcohol problem in a friend or family member?
1: Well, of course, this is the biggest issue. And of course, the main problem is how do you get your loved one to get help? There are a range of treatment options available. These can be behavioral interventions. As you well know, there are medications that actually help one on the way and often can speed up the process of getting an individual into a behavioral treatment or a behavioral intervention. You know, where do you start? It's difficult to say. I mean, this is a real challenge for individuals. It can be a family getting together and affecting an intervention. It could be liaising with the family physician who may be a long-term friend of the family. You know, sometimes just a physician saying, you know, your liver enzymes are elevated is enough to trigger an intervention because the person starts to realize that their excessive drinking is having a physiological effect, even though, you know, from my perspective, a behavioral change that's deleterious is also a physiological effect. But when somebody sees it in their liver enzymes, sometimes that really, you know, hits hard. And then finally, you know, it's really, really important to realize for parents, and many people hold that one of their greatest contributions to life is the perpetuation of life, which is their kids. Behavior and modeling, do you want to see that in your children? I mean, in other words, a tremendous impetus for seeking. Change in behavior is to be a role model for your own children. And so that's a critical piece that can be added into what we would call motivation for change. And so I think all of these things are important to emphasize that, you know, we do have treatment options. We really do encourage family members and friends to be proactive and look out not only for themselves, but do the best they can to look out for the family member that's affected. And we need to emphasize very, very strongly that to some extent mimicry is is one of the greatest neurobiological parts of our life as a primate. We do what we see and children in particular where their brains are malleable are learning what they see. And we know there are even neurons that do this in the brain is critically important for future behavior.
0: Just kind of a follow-up to that, do you see that when a friend or family member is ever dealing with alcoholism in someone else that they may need extra help themselves in going through this?
1: Oh, absolutely. You know, I've had many of my colleagues over the years who joined Al-Anon because their parents had alcohol problems and they found it very, very helpful for protecting them against their own vulnerabilities. I think when you have any stressor on a family structure, that's going to require extra energy on your part to resist it. Obviously, it could be you're living in a war zone, but having a family member who has alcohol use disorder is pretty much equivalent. And no one would question that if you lived in a war zone or, God forbid, some tragedy occurred, an earthquake in your particular town, mental health professionals would come in and there would be an enormous, at least initially, energy in trying to help people get through that. Well, having an alcoholic in your family, I would argue, is equivalent.
0: Right. Dr. Coop, thank you for talking with us about research on the effects of alcoholism as it relates to the drinkers, family members, and friends. And thank you, everyone, for listening to First Steps to Al-Anon Recovery. You are welcome to listen to any of the Al-Anon Family Group podcasts at www.alanon.org. You are also welcome to attend a face-to-face meeting of Al-Anon Family Groups in your own community by clicking on How to Find a Meeting or by calling 1-888-4ALANON. That's 1-888-425-2666. Thank you for listening to First Steps to Al-Anon Recovery from Al-Anon Family Groups.